Welcome in, Cleveland Browns fans. Thank you for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. The day after our Cleveland Indians fell in an epic Game 7 of the World Series in extra innings, it just felt right to have a little bone thugs and harmony. And so we went with the look into my eyes. And so for the younger guys and gals listening, that song's a little old for you at this point in time, but that was one of the uh, kind of bumping joints from back in the day. So that was a nice little uh, twist, and we'll continue to bring in a little bit of music here and there. Mostly it's going to be from the mid-90s, which is uh, mid-90s, early 2000s, kind of uh, my my time. So a little Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland. Uh, it was a rough night, uh, but to be honest, was the most exciting uh, baseball game that I had ever watched. And the second most exciting game, uh, period, sports event that I had ever been a part of, uh, one way or another. And so only beat out uh, by the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Game 7 of the NBA Finals, and winning the championship. Uh, it would be interesting how I would feel if the Indians had won. Um, there's some recency bias there, but the uh, Cavs kind of beating the streak or beating kind of that curse uh, was kind of huge being the first one. So I think they would still have kind of that advantage. Uh, but what an amazing game. Uh, stayed up way too late watching it. And then right into work early this morning. And so uh, we're just right back at it. So much so that I laid down to pet my dog and I passed out for about 45 minutes once I got home. So hope everybody enjoyed that game. That is what makes sports so good. And I think that's the thing uh, for Browns fans that really we've been missing. So obviously Browns fans... We want to win. We want our team to be good. But I think what really is missing is hope, right? With with Browns fans, it's been the hope of the draft. But even then, it's, well, hopefully they can start to put something together through the draft, but they get excited. I remember when um, the Johnny Manziel, Justin Gilbert, with the trade down, adding an extra first-round pick. Uh, I remember when that happened. And uh, the day two of the draft, I was in New York for – for the whole draft. And I remember day two, the Browns were kind of the talk. There was, there was this buzz about the Browns. And I remember Josh Gordon was on ESPN radio early in the morning. And then as I'm going over to radio city music hall for, uh, to kind of go in for, uh, day two, and I was going to be in there pretty early. All of a sudden came the rumors that Josh Gordon was going to be suspended. And after that, it just really went downhill. And as we know, neither Gilbert or Manziel, um, are still on the team. It is what it is. But I, I remember that time when that that hope was really strong for Browns fans. And, and we saw it with the Indians. The Indians built up a team uh, of with a slow foundation and those kind of things. But the thing that really has, has drawn Browns or Indians fans and Cleveland fans in is that hope. The fact that the, the Indians lost last night doesn't really have anybody angry in Cleveland. They're sad, they're upset, whatever, but there's hope there. There's joy in it. Even though the, the tribe blew a 3-1 lead in the series, there's still joy. There's still happiness. Some of that is expectations. So take, let's kind of take that and move that forward for the Browns. Think of the joy. Think of the hope that will come if and when the Browns start to win because of how low the expectations are. I think we'll be excited to see that. And so um, whether that's next year, uh, one of my guys that writes for me on the CLE for me, uh, Steve Thomas, 
He believes next year the Browns are a playoff team. Yeah, you heard me right. Someone, some sane human being or semi-sane human being in, in, in his world believes that the Cleveland Browns are a playoff team next year. Imagine that. The Cleveland Cavaliers win an NBA title. The Cleveland Indians go to a Game 7 of the World Series, take it to extra innings against the best team in the league without their number two, number three starter, and their best position player in Michael Brantley. And then one year later, the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs. The Ohio State Buckeyes continue to do their thing, and they're obviously good. Uh, lost their game to Penn State, but Cleveland really and Ohio really could be the center of the sports world. I'm not sure Browns fans are ready for a winner, though. I think Browns fans, unlike the other teams, are really interested in what's wrong with the team. In my years covering the team, the thing that has been the most interesting to me is when the Browns are doing well, so when Brian Hoyer had led them to a winning record after they beat the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, I believe that was Thursday Night Football, Browns fans didn't really read stuff. Uh, our our page views actually went down when the Browns were doing well. Even though we may be putting out more content and, and obviously exciting content because the Browns are, I don't know, actually winning, it never was enough. It, it, it was actually sometimes, uh, for that time frame, it was about half the page views that we were getting for when they were losing. And so my question really becomes is, how will Browns fans react when they start winning? Because they got a little taste of it from the Cavs and the Indians, will it not be enough? Will, will if they're like the Bengals and getting to the playoffs and even winning uh, division titles, will that not be enough? It'll be interesting to see. As a mental health professional for four, over 14 years now, uh, and just kind of a social analyst in general, I'm really intrigued to see how Browns fans react to something that they've been hoping for, wishing for, and wanting for years. What happens when you, when you get what you want, what you've always wanted? Will you be satisfied? Will you be unsure of what to do? Or will it ever be enough? That's a huge question for Browns fans as we look at the possibility of the city of Cleveland actually having a winner in the next couple of years in the NFL. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. But that's for the future. So let's look at the now. The 0-8 Cleveland Browns face off with the America's team, 6-1 and Dallas Cowboys, whose most difficult problem is whether or not Tony Romo or Dak Prescott should start long-term, right? So we love the storylines, especially with these teams, these big-name teams like the Cowboys. The storylines are just so rich and so overplayed and so exhausting, right? 
But it will be interesting to see what they do when Roma is fully healthy. But we know they're going to wait around uh, until he is 100% or until Dak Prescott looks like a rookie. So let's look at the Giants or the Cowboys. Six and one. They're only lost in, in their opener against the Giants, 20 to 19. Uh, and then so far, the, they've played Washington, not a great team. Chicago, not a great team. San Francisco, not a great team. Cincinnati, not a great team. Green Bay, pretty good team. Eagles, not a great team. And now they have the Browns. Most likely they're looking to go 7-1, and one, obviously against an 0-8 team. That's a, a kind of a prediction that's maybe not able to, to fail. But it's interesting that what will the Browns become? Jamie Collins, their only addition. Think about being a part of an 0-8 team and you acquire a linebacker that many say is a top 10 kind of guy. What does that do to the psyche of the Browns? Hugh Jackson talks about expecting to win. Well, the front office, along with Jackson probably, have showed that to the team with this Jamie Collins trade. Now, will it take some time for him to adjust? Sure. Are we a little unsure of maybe how he's going to be used in the Browns' defense? Sure. Demario Davis, really kind of that run stopper. Christian Kirksey, a very good um, pass defender, really has developed as a run stopper, benefiting from Danny Shelton. And then you have Jamie Collins. Where do you where do you put all three of them? Or do you? Does Davis just go to the bench, insert Collins in the starting lineup, and you got Collins and Kirksey who can both stop the run and the pass? That'd be kind of fun. Or do you put Kirksey or Collins on the outside across from Emmanuel Agba and let them kind of do their work while Davis is still in the middle, kind of stopping the run and kind of that being that big thud kind of guy up front? According to ESPN's Football Power Index, Take it for what it's worth. Uh, the Cowboys are have a 69.8% chance of victory. The Browns have a 30% chance of victory. Now, I haven't looked through ESPN's kind of things. I don't know. It's possible that 30% is kind of the, the low point for their football power index rankings. While I don't think the Cowboys are a great team at 6-1 and one and against, they've won a couple of good games, especially against the Packers. It's kind of surprising they even give the Browns a 30% chance of victory. But they do. And I think it's important to realize that the Cleveland Browns have a shot this week. So when we look at how the Cowboys have been doing well, it shouldn't surprise you that it's their rushing yards, which has really allowed them to score a lot of points and has done what no one thought was possible, and that's made their defense look respectable at some level. So they lead the league 164.9 yards per game rushing. They're seventh in the league in scoring at just a tick under 27 points. But the big surprise is how many points they're giving up, which is only 18.6, which is also good for seventh in the league. So as the Browns look at how can they play this game, they have to do what no one's been able to do, and that's stop the run. That lends towards the possibility of starting Davis, Kirksey, uh, Collins, and Agba, some longer thud-type players over Joe Schobert, to really try to attack the run. I think this is a game where Danny Shelton and Jamie Meter starting. Meter doesn't fit uh, at the 3 or 5 technique as a defensive end in the 3-4 defense. But having Shelton and Meter in the game 
along with Collins and Kirksey, who can run sideline to side, sideline. Ogba with his his length uh, and height and his long arms and his quickness. And then you have Demario Davis kind of as that that bumper up the middle. I think that the Browns do put themselves in a position to have some talent that can stop the run a little bit. The real question becomes that secondary, which Ibrahim uh, Campbell, uh, Derek Kindred, they've struggled with their angles. Many of the long runs are because their safeties cannot make a play on the running back. And so even though the front seven has maybe put them in a good position to uh, stop a run at two or three yards, uh, the safeties are just taking really, really poor angles. And against a very good Dallas offensive line, the Browns front seven really is going to be occupied pretty regularly. And the secondary is going to have to make some plays. Ezekiel Elliott loves the leap over defenders who are diving at his feet. And he likes to try to run over, especially safeties or cornerbacks um, that try to tackle him kind of head up. That will be the key to the game. If the Browns can slow down, they won't stop. If they can slow down the rushing attack, it gives their offense more of an opportunity to get the ball. Right now, with time of possession, other teams are scoring less than 19 points for a reason because Dallas just keeps running the ball. Their passing offense, again, with Dak Prescott, who's going to be the quarterback of the future, is averaging 245 yards a game, which is good for 19th in the league. For perspective, the Cleveland Browns offense is 20th in the league, just behind Dallas, at 242 yards per game with Cody Kessler, who may not be good enough, right? If you hear some sarcasm in my voice, again, stats don't tell the whole story. And obviously, Cody hasn't started all of the games. Again, we expect him to start this week. But a a Browns offense that has also kind of wanted to dictate things with a run It's tied for 10th in the league, 114 yards per game. So you can see that huge 53-yard difference. Sorry, math not always great. How about just 50 yards? Let's go with 50 yards. That's a better math. There's a huge 50 yards difference between the Browns, tied for 10th in the league, and the Dallas Cowboys in first place in rushing yards. That is a gargantuan difference, only nine spots down. But if the Browns can can put some pressure on Dak Prescott to try to win the game, to try to make the plays that many people are assuming he can make. We can put the, the Browns can put themselves in a position offensively uh, that they can make the plays. Terrell Pryor has been struggling with his injuries. Hasn't really been impactful over the last couple of games. It'll be interesting to see if he can, if he can kind of make a comeback from that. Or should he have been sat from the last couple of games so that he could get fully healthy? Because if not, he's really not a huge threat. Or, like he was in the Jets game, he looks good. He just can't finish, right, because of his injuries. And so when we look at the stats from the Jets game, great. Pryor has 101 yards, none of them after halftime. And so can Pryor be that impact player? Can the Browns offense attack a Dallas defense, which is kind of a no-name defense outside of uh, their middle linebacker, Lee. Uh, There's really not players on that defense that we would point to as amazing players. But because of the way Dallas runs the ball, as well as scores while running the ball, 
their defense is set up to attack the passer, uh, knowing that they won't be on the field a long time. They don't have to rotate as many numbers, um, and they can be pretty darn aggressive, knowing that their offense is going to be consistent. Running teams are consistent, generally speaking, on offense, where passing teams can have some significant inconsistencies. So for the Browns, for this week, for them to finally get their first victory, it comes down to stopping the run. It comes down to stopping Ezekiel Elliott and forcing Dak Prescott into uncomfortable situations. If they can do that, it's possible that win is coming their way. But if other teams who also wanted to stop Zeke Elliott in the Dallas Cowboys rushing game couldn't do it, why do we think the Browns can? Well, the Jamie Collins addition, both with his talent, but also with kind of what that says to the team, can that be enough of a boost to put the Browns in position to beat the Dallas Cowboys? I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Tomorrow we'll talk about what we exactly think the Browns should do on the offensive side of the ball uh, and what we do see in the Dallas defense. What do they have on the front seven? What do they have in their secondary? And where are some of the weaknesses the Browns might be able to exploit to try to take advantage of the Cowboys and pull out their first victory of the season? Thank you again for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I'm your host. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks again for stopping by and go Browns.